1: Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome aboard the Sing Second Sports Podcast, a sports podcast about Naval Academy Sports for Naval Academy sports fans. And hey, even if you're not a Naval Academy sports fan, we're here to entertain and inform you. This week is East Carolina Pregame week. Also, we have some news about volleyball going to the semifinals of the Patriot League Tournament. And we will wrap up some other things going on. But first, it is East Carolina Week, and Bill Wagner is joining me. Ward is on assignment. Actually, he's not on assignment. I'll just say it very cleanly. Um, today was Bill Maton's funeral. Uh, and because of a bunch of schedule restraints, uh, we had to record this during the funeral at the Naval Academy Chapel for Bill Maton, who, if you listen to previous podcasts, was an icon um, of the Naval Academy golf course, a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and today was his uh, funeral mass at the Naval Academy Chapel to put him to rest, and Ward, rightfully so, is attending. Um, so for East Carolina, coming up, we're talking about WAGS, a very hot football team who was won three straight. Before winning three straight, they took a very talented Houston team on the road to overtime. Uh, since losing that overtime game, they beat down South Florida 29-14. to They smoked Temple 45-3. to And they're coming off of a a helter-skelter, crazy overtime game against Memphis, which they won 30-29 to at Memphis, by the way. And now they come calling to Navy. What should Navy fans expect on Saturday, 3.30 p.m., Navy Marine Corps Stadium?
2: Well, first and foremost, it's Senior Day at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. And Navy will hope to send out 25 seniors with a victory. Uh, There's a lot of great traditions that go along with Navy Senior Day. And the best is if Navy wins, uh, the seniors always take a picture, a group photo at midfield at, after the game. And that means that they enter the locker room after everyone else. And if it's a victory, they run in single file one by one and are showered with water as uh, the rest of the, all the underclassmen whoop it up. So let's hope that's the scene in the home locker room following Saturday's game but you're right East Carolina's playing good football Mike Houston is in his third season as the head coach he's uh, been successful everywhere he's been and he's he's had targeted 2021 as when things needed to be turned around he knew he had some work to do to rebuild the program uh he spent two years getting organized and he had said that 2021 is when East Carolina should be competing for a bowl and lo and behold they are bowl eligible um they're, they're a very solid team, but offensively, they're balanced, and they run the football. They've got two outstanding running backs. Rajah Harris last year was the American Athletics, Athletic Conference Rookie of the Year. Uh, fans may remember he had an 80-yard touchdown run against Navy, and he is not even the top running back anymore. They've got a freshman named Keaton Mitchell who's rushed for almost 1,000 yards. And, uh, but Harris is still having a good season. He's on similar production numbers as last year. He's at 541 yards. So this team can run the ball. And we talked to defensive coordinator Brian Newberry yesterday, and he said Navy's got to stop the run. That's priority one because uh, Holton Aylers is the quarterback for East Carolina, and he's very experienced. He's a
1: third- Another quality quarterback name, by the way. Holton Aylers? Like, come yeah. on. He should be wearing an ascot going to Virginia. Well, I think his father is a
2: uh, longtime high school football coach down there in Greenville. So, yeah, he he may have been named with the purpose of being a quarterback. Um, but he's, he's a good one. He's He didn't play against Amy last year. He was out uh, because of COVID protocols for that game. I remember that being a big- point of contention in the pregame was, oh, is Holton Aylor's playing? There was rumors he wasn't playing, and sure enough, he didn't. But no, this this team's good, John, and it's going to take a great effort by Navy to win. Now, here's an interesting fact. Navy is 7-1 and one against East Carolina. I mean, and I remember I've written about this in the past. <laughs> Navy has put some major points on East Carolina. We're talking 70-66. I mean, at one point, Navy was in a stretch of four wins over East Carolina, in which they'd outscored them like 400 to you know, 98 or something. Ridiculous. So it's kind of a strange. The East Carolina is the one team that has really struggled to stop the option. Now, last year, Navy offense did not do a lot against East Carolina. That was a low scoring affair. Navy pulled that one out. Um, actually, the, at the time, Dalen Morris was the starting quarterback. He got injured in that game, and Tiger Goslin had to finish it out. And Tiger was able to muster a drive that ate up the remaining time after East Carolina had cut it to 27 24, a three point ball game. So I expect this to be a close game. Navy, once again, the offense has to produce. I think Brian Newberry will do what he's been doing and hold a team in the range of 30 points or less. I think Navy offense has to find a way to muster 31 points or more to win the game, John.
1: So I have two questions for you um, uh, on each side of the ball. And, and you mentioned we talked to Coach Brian Newberry. We also talked to Diego Figo. And those will be our two uh, football interviews this week right after this segment. Um, we wanted to give some love to the uh, to the defense. And we were able to get some questions in with Coach Newberry and Diego during their weekly uh, press availabilities, but on the defensive side, Wags, you know, we you broke the story this week and you talked to Newberry about it. Um, but just from your perspective, how big is it? You know, the story that you broke about Kevin Brennan being out for the rest of the year. Characterize that loss. Who steps into? Um, who steps into the fray? Um, in order to pick up that responsibility defensively. Um, and and how, does, how is the defense supposed to respond against a team that has put up 42 points on the same Marshall team that smoked us earlier in the year? They beat Marshall 42 to 38, they beat Tulane 52 to 29. Their losses this year to South Carolina, Houston, and UCF, um, in addition to an outlier where they lost to Appalachian State at the beginning of the year. But damn great offense and now a defense missing Kevin Brennan characterized that for us well clearly it's a huge loss John
2: Kevin Brennan it was a leader on the defense he and Diego Pagot together are the heart and soul of the defense it's just you lose so much more than just an outstanding player with great instincts who makes a lot of tackles uh, but you, you lose leadership he's the guy on the back end who's directing things because he's got the experience. It's it's a killer, but they've been without him now for several weeks. I mean, it was starting to become clear that something wasn't up when you know this. Uh, he missed three games already, so uh, I was kind of starting to expect this announcement. Uh, obviously, the pressure's on freshman Rayun Lane and uh, a sophomore Yavin Gibbons. They're they're two young kids in at the safety spots, and it just. You get, you're going even deeper as far as inexperience. So, backing up Rayun Lane, who's a Gilman product uh, from Baltimore at uh, free safety, are Josh Adams, a junior who's played very little, maybe a little special teams, and Colin O'Connor, a sophomore. Similar story at the bandit safety, Taylor Robinson, a junior, um, and Marcus Moore, a sophomore. They're just Navy is very inexperienced on the back end. And uh, it's to the point that when Navy goes to nickel coverage, and that's the obvious passing downs when you expect a team to go downfield, that Brian Newberry has flopped the corners and the safeties. He's dropped cornerback Michael McMorris and Jamal Glenn into safety coverage and moved, switched, and brought in other cornerbacks. So it's that's very telling to me that when you're in this kind of, you know, got to have – tight, sound coverage on the back end that he's decided he's got to go with his two veteran cornerbacks playing safety, which is not easy to play cornerback and then just switch to safety. It's completely different mindset and assignments. Uh, We'll see if he continues with that. I think, you know, Jamal Glenn was partially responsible for the long 70-yard touchdown against Notre Dame, and uh, Newberry said that he probably shouldn't have asked someone to to do that, that in in a short week to try to learn safety responsibilities, but they've had a bye week now. So we'll see if, if they've dialed that up and are going to continue with that coverage. But, you know, I know that the Navy defense is not what concerns me. It's the offense. When is this offense going to show us
1: something? When is the so offense- that was my second yeah. question. So okay. the you mentioned thirty-one points is probably what we're going to need to do to get a win. Walk us through this. Who's under center? Who's playing quarterback? And who is going to be you know the the provider, the spark of these four touchdowns and a field goal that we need in order to get a win in your prediction?
2: Well, I do believe that Ty Lavatai will go. Uh, there's been no indication he will not. We asked. Uh, Now, obviously for those fans who don't recall, Ty left the game, the Notre Dame game late in the uh, first half, and it appeared that he had a stinger, Um, but he's he's okay, and we're told he's going to play. So I expect Ty to be the starter, and, you know, it's – the fullback is the key, and Isaac Ruas, he really impressed me against Notre Dame. He got 73 yards against a defense that really was not giving up anything – And he had to earn every one of those 73 yards. And if you go back and look at the tape, he did it with great vision, finding holes, kind of just pecking and hunting his way down the field. It was kind of impressive to me what he did. So I think Isaac, and I just wrote a feature about him. He is an incredible student. Talk about fulfilling the mission. 3.87 grade point average in quantitative economics. It's kind of like very Chris Sabello like when he was at the academy. The, that kind of GPA and in, in a very difficult major. Um, but, you know, Isaac Ruas is, uh, to me, the fullback's got to set the tone because that's where it, everything flows from that. You get the fullback going, getting some nice yards up the middle and all of a sudden, you know, they've got to sink in and try to stop that dive play. And then you got, you can take the ball outside and get some yardage. But I, I am really waiting for the Navy offense to click and not just two series in a game, click, Throughout a game,
1: give me, God, I would love to see close to 400 yards rushing, John. Yeah, I think that's the key. Like we said, time of possession, rushing yards, no turnovers, no dumb penalties. Those are my four bins that that I think Navy has to master um, in order to compete and get a victory against uh, ECU. So speaking of Chris Cervello and his time in the math club, the science club, and the physics club, um, breakfast club reference sick, uh, Chris, what in, you know, after all of the analysis from Bill Wagner, um, what is your prediction uh, of what we'll see on Saturday?
0: Sadly, I think it's more of the same, John. Um, I think it, the defense shows up. I, I don't think the offense has enough to overcome what is a pretty good ECU team, as you guys have talked about on, on the offense and defensive side of the ball. So, I'm kind of expecting more of the same, Um, you know, regardless of the score. It'll be nice to celebrate the uh, the seniors uh, for their last home game at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Um, And, uh, you know, hopefully they're able to uh, to learn some things and, you know, steal a win against Temple uh, in preparation for Army. I I, I don't mean to be a a, a bit of a buzzkill, but I just I just don't think we we have it. Um, You know, a week off would would uh, was great. Um, it'll be, you know, great to get folks healthy, uh, Kevin Brennan, notwithstanding, but, um, I, I just think the CCU team's going to be too much for us.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think the person that I'm going to really watch out for in the end is Tyler Sneed, the receiver. Um, I think the Holton Nailers to Tyler Sneed connection, um, might be very dangerous It hooked up 13 times for 113 yards, uh, in their overtime win over Memphis. And I think with a depleted secondary, that's the guy who might kill us. I'm predicting, you know, probably a loss where East Carolina scores probably 30 points. We're able to possess the ball a little bit more, uh, but probably something like a 30 to 14 outcome. Wags, final words and predictions from you uh, before we get to Coach Newberry and Diego Fago. Well, there's something about East Carolina that Navy they win every time
2: against East Carolina. I can't explain it. Last year. I would never expect the Navy to go down to Greenville and beat East Carolina on its own field. Now it helped that Holton Aylers couldn't play. Um, I think Newberry dials up. So I think they're going to stop the run Navy when they decide they're stopping the run, they do. They've done it before, earlier this year when they had opponents like Cincinnati, they said, we got to stop the run. And they did. I think Newberry stops the run. And then I think he dials up some blitzes to cause Holton Aylers to, You know, be confused a bit and uh, maybe rush him, force him out of the pocket, throw on the run, that type of stuff. Similar to what they did to Cincinnati. I think they hold this team to 28 points. And I think the offense finally gets it together. Uh, Ty Lavatai plays well. He makes the right reads. He's distributing the ball. And I think maybe somehow pulls this game out 31-28, John, maybe on a late field goal. By our man, Bijan John Nichols. Uh, and Pete Meadows will say, Bijan bingo! <laughs> uh,
1: I'm hoping I hear that for sure. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, we're excited. Um, thank you, number one, Wags, for the for the analysis. And Chris, as always, um, we're excited about this being the last home game. Um, it seems like yesterday that the season started uh, not the way we wanted against Marshall and certainly not the way we wanted on 9-11. Um, against Air Force. But here we are, we're on senior day, and it's going to be nice uh, to watch the seniors go out. On that note, as we record this, um, those seniors are one day away from service assignment. On Thursday, they get their envelopes just after lunch. Uh, And then, you know, if they get surface warfare, the cheering begins. If they get like Marine Corps or pilot or something like that, I mean, that's all right, I guess. Um, But, you know, the, the... obviously a very important milestone in every midshipman's career, uh, getting that envelope. Uh, We're going to talk to Mike Heary in a later segment about the day that he got his surface warfare envelope and that it was probably better than that time that he scored 60 plus points against a high school team in Western New York. But I digress. For this last home game, please join us at the Graduate Hotel located right there in downtown Annapolis for our final uh, pre-game tailgate party that will go from 12 to 1 p.m. Please find us walking around the blue side. Um, we will be joined by Ava Marie of WBAL, News Channel 11 in Baltimore. She'll be joining us at the game. She'll also be joining us in this pod to give a, the final weather report of the year. So great stuff happening on Saturday. Let's hope for a win. But without any further ado, we're going to go to break, and we'll hear from Coach Newberry and Diego Fagot about how the defense does expect to hold the East Carolina Pirates at bay on Saturday. Stick with us, this is Sing Second Sports. This week's episode of Sing
0: Second Sports is brought to you by our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion? Or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an Old Fashioned and a Dry 85 burger, both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters
1: of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Now back to the pod. Okay, we're back. And now here is our audio from Coach Newberry's press conference earlier in the week Without any further ado, defensive coordinator Brian Newberry.
2: Uh, Coach, you referenced uh, Kevin Brennan. Obviously, we found out yesterday that it's season's over, that he had surgery, and that's it for him. Um, I was under the impression there was a chance he was going to get back. Did you all realize from the beginning it probably wasn't going to happen, or was there still waiting for further prognosis?
3: No, not, not quite right from the beginning. I mean, it didn't look great, to be honest, Bill. No we were hopeful there for a little bit, but, um, uh, and yeah, obviously it's super disappointing, um, for him, you know, he's a guy that's worked extremely hard and, and done everything that he's been asked to do here and, and made a great contribution to our program and for his, his senior year to get cut short, uh, just, just didn't real fair, you know, so disappointed for him. And, and certainly know hurts our football team with him, not, not being a part of it, not playing, uh, but he's handled it like the kid he is, man. He's, uh, uh I don't, I don't know that I'd handle it as well as he has, but he stayed engaged. He's he's in my position meeting today, taking notes. And how many guys that you know of that are done for the season uh, would continue to do that in a meeting? And he does that because he wants to help the younger guys and want, wants to make sure he's plugged into the game plan. And he's a guy on Saturday that'll be talking to those guys in between series, just like a coach. And uh, so, really, I uh, can't say enough good things about Kevin uh, as a person and, and just the way he's handled the adversity. Um, just really, really impressed with, with him.
2: Well, that's what a Chance Warren was saying. He's a guy that's put his heart and soul into Navy football. I mean, Chance said one year he was rooming with him and he woke up at 5.30 in the morning and Kevin was already gone. He was over at the building watching film. Um, yeah. It's just got to be particularly brutal for a guy like that who, like you said, has committed everything. I mean, yeah. for him not to be able to play on a senior day or against Army-Navy as a senior is just – It's awful, man.
3: Yeah, it's, it's really, it really is gut wrenching. And he's the kind of kid that, you know, I've been here at night after practice watching film or, uh, that kind of deal at nine o'clock he'd come in and shut the door and and be in a meeting room. Um, and you know, he's not showing up because other people are in the building he's doing it because, because you know, he loves football and wants to be as good as he can be. And and I know, um, he's going to, he's going to be successful in whatever he does because the kind of work ethic that he has. And, uh, You know, they say how you do anything is how you do everything, and uh, that certainly applies to him.
2: Another guy I'm writing about is um, Mitchell Johns is a linebacker who's uh, working with the scout team. Coach Neumann kind of applauded him for being a senior who, you know, helps with the scout team as a leader of the defensive scout team, and I know you're not involved with the defensive scout team, but, I mean, do you have any thoughts on a guy like Mitchell Johns who – as a senior is that doesn't play, is still trying to do good things for the program?
3: Yeah, I do. Uh, he's done a great job, hasn't complained, come to work every day. Um, you know, that we've all got our, our roles to play uh, from our staff to our players. And to have a good football team um, and, and a good organization, everybody has to embrace that role. Um, and they may not like it, um, but it, it, by embracing that role, it helps us us be better as a football team. He's certainly done that, and uh, really, really proud of the way he he's handled that because uh, it's not easy you know, to be a senior and go down there. But hasn't complained. He's uh, has gone down there to make those guys better every day, and and he's certainly fulfilled his role. And uh, really proud of the way he responded to that.
2: And last for me for now, um, you talked last week about the running game and. I didn't realize when I spoke to you, I mean, I know that the Davis kid was the American Athletic Conference Rookie of the Year last year. He ran, broke loose for a 90-yard run against you guys last season, or 80, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And He's not even the leading rush. This new, this freshman is almost up to 1,000 yards. Can you talk about what you have to do to try to stop this team's running attack? Because you mentioned last week that it all starts with that, that the rest of their offense flows off of being able to establish the run.
3: Yeah. They do some good stuff in the run game. Uh, I think it starts with us, you know, swarming the football and and uh, playing great up front. we got to win a line of scrimmage. Uh, we've got to fit things correctly. we got to leverage the football. Our gap integrity has to be on point because uh, if it's not against this crew, um, it'll hit a seam and they'll get going. Uh, both of us running backs are really good players, and uh, they both have the ability to, to break a 90-yarder if you don't fit things right. Um, both break tackles. Um so, we're going to have to do a really, really good job of, of being where we're supposed to be. Like I said, leveraging the football, fitting things correctly. Um, there were a couple of times last year where uh, we didn't fit things correctly, and that was the one long run that they had. And uh, so, we got to do a better job of that this year than we did uh, last year.
1: Hey, Coach John from Sing Second Sports. I was wondering how you felt about having the bye week after Notre Dame. What did you focus on, and how did it allow you to? kind of look at the end of the season here, and maybe that's what you're doing as a final two-game stretch before Army. Did it give you a chance to to refresh some guys? I know that Wags talked about Brendan being lost for the year. Did it give the team a chance? Did you have some other nagging injuries that that you needed to, to get healed a little bit before you went into East Carolina?
3: Yeah, you know, it's uh, – John, it's tough to have a bye week after you lose because you've got to sit on that. You know, I always hate that. Uh, going into a bye after you lost a game, um, especially when you don't, don't feel like you played really well and could have done some things better. But um, in regards to just our our, our our health and our bodies and all that stuff, it couldn't have come at a better time. We needed to break, and, and Coach I's really good about having a pulse on our team and, and uh, knowing what they need. And so we were able to practice last week, but also gave them, uh, you know, so, some time off to let their bodies recover, which, which they all needed. Uh, needed that break and uh we probably did too a little bit gave us a chance to go out and do some recruiting as well uh, which we needed to do and so um but yeah it was good we had a couple good practices last week and um it's just a a chance to to get refocused uh, catch our breath a little bit and uh you know we still got a lot to play for and and our kids are they're going to go out and compete and play to win and um we got a good really good ECU football team coming in here on senior day so this is a big, important game, and, and our kids are excited about the challenge and uh, looking forward to it.
1: One follow-up from me, and then I'm done. You mentioned recruiting. How has it been in the midst of a difficult season? You know, How has the feedback been for you in terms of recruits, in terms of the Naval Academy football brand? Um, has it been more difficult? Has COVID made that? a bit more of a challenge, characterize how you're pushing forward in the midst of a very difficult season to make sure that there's success beyond.
3: Yeah, well, I think um, you know, what's hard about COVID is is not, not getting out, getting on the road, uh, you know, the past year and a half and, and being able to get into schools and, and see kids in person. And uh, it's one thing to talk to a kid on the phone or a Zoom call. It's another thing to see them in person. It's also another thing to get those kids onto your campus and, and to get them around your players and your staff. And that's what sells this place the most, you know, uh, outside of Naval Academy being what it is. And so, uh, no, I don't think it's been, you know, it's obviously been a challenging season, uh, but the, the commits that are uh, that are with us are, are sticking sticking with us. They see how close we are. Uh, I think they also see it as an opportunity to come in and, and help our program, too. And uh, so uh, we've continued to stay positive, and, and uh, it's, it's not been any different uh, from me recruiting uh, than it was, you know, after an 11-2 season, truthfully.
1: All right, and now um, we are going to go to our audio with Diego Figo from his press conference this week. Well, Diego, just talk
2: about Senior Day and the fact that uh, probably seems hard to believe that it's here already.
4: Oh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, obviously the time here flies. Um, i really excited to play, you know, my last game in Navy and Marine Corps. And, uh, yeah, excited.
2: Um, obviously, it's uh, – been four years since the group of your class entered here, and at the time it was, I think, announced 56 players, and now there's 25 left. Can you talk about, you know, it it happens that you lose guys along the way, but can you just talk about all the guys that have, you know, that are gone and the fact that uh, the 25 that are still here have stuck it out and made it to the end?
4: Yeah, you know, this place is very tough, Um, and for at least the 25 that are still here and, and with me, um, I'm proud of them for, you know, sticking through because staying here is hard, especially going through the COVID year that we had, uh, not really getting able to leave and things like that. Uh, and just all the challenges outside of COVID and, and just, you know, school and whatnot, um, you know, people leave for their own kind of choice for their own reasons. Um, but you know, we, 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 as a class have always felt like we can't dwell on those types of situations and those choices and just kind of press forward. So.
2: Well, right, so we talked to Chance Warren yesterday about that, about you are a class that signed your two for seven papers amidst the pandemic. Um, and apparently Coach Neumann had said that, that, you know, that program took some hits. Players did leave or didn't make it in from prep school because of the pandemic. Um, can you just talk about that, uh, the, having to sign the papers amidst that very difficult time?
4: Yeah, I mean, we can't really have any excuses. Uh, we were just kind of the hand that we were dealt with the pandemic and every and everyone just kind of entering the portal. Um, it, I mean, it was tough. Like, I mean, staying staying here at the Naval Academy is already hard enough. Um, and then to add on top of that, no liberty no in class, no person or no class in person, um, which was, you know, awesome at first. But then I didn't really realize how terrible it really was just to kind of sit in your room all day. So. Yeah, it was tough, but, you know, here we are.
2: So last for me, why did you decide to sign them? You're you're already being talked about as a pro prospect. Um, You know, you could have decided to go to a civilian school where your chances might be better to get looked at and you wouldn't have to worry about the pro scouts wondering what's going on with your military obligation, et cetera. Why did you decide to sign those papers and stay?
4: I think ultimately it came down to just the people and the uh, the coaches and, and everyone that was around me here at the academy, uh, the people that just kind of poured into my life uh, to get me to the place where I was. I um, mean, I had coaches contact me without even, you know, telling them that I was thinking about leaving or thinking about entering the portal and just, again, reminded me uh, the reason why I decided to stay here.
1: Hey, Diego, John Schofield with Sink Second Sports. Um, I was wondering if you could walk me through a little bit more how challenging it's been for you on that side of the ball. Um, You know, how is it frayed at all? And I know what the answer is, but can you comment on the potential uh, that, you know, the success of the defense, which I know that you're viewing through a different lens because your record isn't what you want it to be. But, you know, as it, as it frayed the, the togetherness of the team with the defense, you know, being a little bit more successful and the offense, having a tough time, how have you led both sides of the ball, knowing that, you know, Michael Cooper and Chance Warren are the captains on that side. How have you and Kevin really handled this on the defense by trying to make sure that everyone sticks together during a difficult year?
4: I mean, for me, at least I just kind of approach it. If you don't really have anything good to say, you probably shouldn't say it. And I was, you know, taught to me when I was a little kid by my mom. So uh, it's just something I still use today. You know, uh, the, the offensive situation is what it is. I mean, some games defensively, we're not playing well. I mean, if you look at the Marshall game, uh, a few other games, like we we play well in the first half, we do all right in the third quarter, and then we just absolutely, you know, ultimately, you know, just end up giving up almost sometimes in, in, in the fourth quarter, which is pretty sad to see. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, and it, it's just – I don't think there's any one thing that we've decided to do as captains. Uh, I think it's just to approach every single practice, every game, like – like if we were, you know, whatever, nine and zero, nine and out. there, there's no switch in our approaches other than, you know, I think the coaches do a good job of addressing it. But other than that, we have that mindset of, you know, it doesn't matter what the offense does. We're going to try to play as hard as we can for each other on defense and, you know, for the offense as well. So.
1: Quick follow-up from me and then I'm done. You know, this is a unique week uh, for your teammates. Um, And for all your classmates at the Naval Academy, it's Thursday night. They all open a bunch of envelopes that, you know, kind of plot out the course of their future. WAGS is talking about your two for seven papers and your potential service. What does that mean? And and what have your memories been like in the past on service assignment night uh, when your teammates have figured out what they're going to go out and do in the fleet and the Marine Corps? um, And, you know, walk me through yeah, the, how special that is. I'm pretty sure they don't have anything like that going on at ECU this week, but you still you have a game to prepare for on Saturday. Walk me through your thoughts on service assignment. Yeah,
4: it's just another um, another awesome thing, kind of tradition here that we do at the Academy. You know, obviously once you graduate, you're going to serve in, in either the uh, Navy or the Marine Corps. Uh, when I was younger, I always thought it was, you know, it was always a pretty exciting day just to see some of those guys come back without any hair. Um or you know, just seeing other dudes come back all happy and giddy about whatever service assignment they got. Um, yeah, Thursday, you know, we'll probably cancel meetings at least for the seniors. We you know go back to our company and they kind of tell us what's going on, uh, service assignment wise. But I, I don't. Know. I mean, it's just another day in the life. I feel like for me, uh, I kind of I've always been a Marine Corps officer in my mind at least here at the academy. So hopefully, I'm not too surprised when I get that. So.
1: All right, that was Diego Fago and Coach Newberry. We are going to go to break, and when we come back, we are going to be joined by Mike Keery, who's going to break down the first three games of the Naval Academy basketball season. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports.
0: Be sure to get tickets for Navy's final home game against East Carolina on November 20th at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis. Tickets are still available. Don't miss your last chance to see the mids play in Annapolis. And to make sure that you're prepared for basketball season and for the cooler temperatures, make sure you go to navysports.com and click on the shop tab. All of the latest Navy Under Armour sideline gear is available. They've got you covered with sweatshirts, jackets, replica jerseys, sideline polos, t-shirts, and other novelty items. And it's never too early to start Christmas shopping for your favorite Navy fan. So head on over to NavySports.com today. Now back to the pod.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Now, we've talked about football, and that's great, but the basketball season has tipped off. It tipped off in spectacular fashion with a victory over UVA, Um, Curtis Staples, Harold Dean, um, let's go all the way back, Junior Burroughs, you know, th- those names of the past were not to be found and Navy got a big win and we broke that down. Since then, during the Veterans Classic, we dropped a tough one to Virginia Tech and then just recently went down to the KFC Yum Center, speaking of horribly named arenas out there in the world, and dropped a tough contest to Louisville. Who better to talk about these results than um, WNAV's color commentator and class of 98 sharpshooter Mike Heary? return guest to the pod. Mike, number one, thank you for joining us. Number two, how is the golf game?
5: <laughs> Thanks, John. Great to be on with you guys again. Um, the golf game ended strong with uh, our wonderful golf club getting a big win in the Bay Cup. Um, uh, what was that, about almost two weeks ago? So uh, that was an exciting way to end the uh, kind of official golf season. And now we're just in the uh, unofficial season where whenever there's a warm day, we try to go out and
1: play, right? Exactly, and uh, that's where we do our best work. Um, It it has to be uh, reiterated that Mike is a former club champion at the U.S. Naval Academy Golf Club, uh, in addition to being a great sharpshooter from those teams of the late 90s. Unfortunately, this year could not recapture that club championship as it went to (laughs) Villanova University graduate, Brendan Kelly. I just had to get that in. So Mike, on to more serious things. Uh, let's, let's take the most recent result and then walk it back to the Veterans Classic. Um, walk us through what you've seen so far this year with the team in these three results. For me, two people have stood out. Uh, Tyler Nelson, for one, I think is a lot more energetic and a lot more um, present out there. And then obviously John Carter Jr., those are your two biggies. Um, walk me through what you've seen so far with these uh, with these three results.
5: Yeah. I mean, first off, you know, from a team perspective, you know, you got to remember there's not one player on Virginia, Virginia tech or Louisville that churned down Navy to go to those respective schools. So we, we are definitely have played up in schedule, um, with three ACC schools and that can't be lost on Navy fans and, and Navy basketball supporters. Um, Number two, I think, the team has all the pieces. I think to have a really great year, and you touched on a couple of guys that I think are ha, have the opportunity to have great seasons this year. Um, you know, I think you got guys on the Navy team, and Richard Njoku is slowly getting back from a injury to his foot. Tyler Nelson, who you talked about, I think Daniel Deaver ultimately may be coming off the bench down the road once Richard Njoku is is fully healthy. Those guys are they're big difference makers in the Patriot league. They do things, you know, Tyler Nelson, as you talked about, for example, as a player that, you know, they're not built, not many in the Patriot league are built like Tyler Nelson. He's athletic. uh, He's long. He can score from the perimeter. I think he is scratching the surface with his ability to take it to the rim and finish around the rim, which is hard to do when you're playing ACC teams. So um, the future is very bright and these games, look, it's better to, to play three ACC schools than play three schools that are ranked 348th, 49th, and 350th in Division One and win by 10 or 15 points. It's better to test yourself against these teams, get better and learn from these losses and an amazing win at Virginia than play a, a cupcake schedule and get three wins and be 3-0 and thinking that you're really good.
1: Yeah. So before I let Wags pick your brain a little bit, you know, talk to me a little bit about the shooting. Because for me, if there's been an Achilles heel so far, it's the shooting from three. Three for 25 from three against Virginia Tech, three for 21 against Louisville. Um, like you said, with Njoku kind of, you know, with a hitch in his giddy up right now and a small lineup, you're going to have to hit shots. How, do, how are they going to rectify that?
5: Yeah, I mean, and and to be fair, right? They shot eleven for twenty-one from three, fifty-two percent in the first game against Virginia, and that was arguably the key difference in the game. Uh, exactly. I, I think you got to, I think you got to give credit, you know, where it's due, and that Virginia Tech and Louisville are built a little bit differently than Virginia. Virginia, tremendous program, great coach, one of the best in the country, and Tony Bennett, but they play a slower tempo, so that generally keeps you. Alive in a basketball game and keeps you around. So if you're hitting shots against Virginia, which Navy was, you have a chance to beat them. Um, ask UMBC in the NCAA tournament, right? So that's one thing. Second thing is, you, you know, that win gets everyone's attention around the country and in particular your next two opponents. So now you play a Virginia Tech team who's much longer, much more athletic, and they're locked in. And, you know, I had an opportunity to go to Mike Young's shoot around. Uh, the first Veterans Classic Navy opponent that allowed me to go watch a shoot around in the eight seasons of the Veterans Classic, Mike Young's a great coach. He was at Wafford and um, just an awesome, awesome guy. We played against his teams back in the day and they were locked in like they were working on Navy's plays every like for half the shoot around. So that tells you they were locked into the scouting report and not many big time programs do that when they play a little bit down uh, a a level, so to speak in division one. So I think the shooting percentages get a little bit out of whack in the sense of the opponent, the, the type of athletes that Louisville and Virginia tech have relative to Virginia. And you know, the shooting percentages show that I think Navy has to be obviously, as you said, more consistent from perimeter as the season progresses and they will, they, they, they have talented shooters, and they don't have Patrick Dorsey playing either, who's a really great three-point shooter. He's out with an injury too. So uh, I think you just got to kind of chalk it up to, you know, the opponents and the good and bad of beating the team like Virginia.
2: You mentioned the early season schedule, and Coach Decellis was quite clear when we spoke to him preseason. He, he did this on purpose. Uh, he wanted to test this team. He wants to get them battle-hardened because he thinks he's got a good squad And, you know, I think Coach D, you know, he's going all in. He Navy's had some good seasons under Coach DeCellis and not been able to do anything in the Patriot League tournament. And I think last year really stung Coach D because it's the best team he's had in a long time. And they rolled through the regular season. and, uh, And then, you know, there's just terrible circumstance with both Richard Njoku and Cam Davis being out with COVID protocols for the Patriot League tournament game against Loyola a team that Navy had beaten twice in the regular season so you know I think that he is determined to get this team over the hump he feels he's got a veteran squad uh one of the things I've been curious about Mike John Carter is so streaky and inconsistent and he was on fire against Virginia and then he didn't show up against Virginia Tech he Yeah, is this the season that John? I when I saw him as a freshman, I said this guy's going to be a Patriot League all Patriot League player, maybe multiple times. It hadn't happened for him, and it's because he's inconsistent. It's one good game, too bad. What what do you do? You feel like John Carter's ready to take the next step and become that all Patriot League player? We know he can be.
5: I I think he is, Wags. I, I, I think one of the things he had such a good game in against Virginia and um i can absolutely relate to something like this so i'm gonna support john in this area and that is when you shoot it really well in a game as high profile as you you have against virginia virginia tech was in his hip pocket the entire game making him uncomfortable every time he caught the ball there was somebody in his in his headspace, in his in, you know in his vision, making it difficult to get open looks, and they were locked into making sure he did not get into rhythm shooting. And when that and then Louisville, I think the same kind of carryover effect took place with their scouting report and what they were doing. What I've always said about John Carter, when he's had some of his best games, what he's got to do is use his size and athleticism to get to the rim. He can drive the basketball. He can also drive the basketball after taking two or three dribbles and pull up and hit a 10-footer, which is a bit of a lost art in today's college basketball game, not to digress. But John Carter, I think, will have a breakout season. I think that he's got to remember to take what the game is giving him. And sometimes it's going to be the three-point shot because for whatever reason the other team's not closing out on him the way they should. And when they are, he's got to get to the free-throw line. Because that's a weapon for you as a scorer if you can get, get your guy on your hip, get to the line, get fouled, you know, accumulate fouls for your team, get some early points from the free throw line, grab a layup in transition. Those types of things, I think, will propel John. He's just got to remember that in the course of the game, and I think the two opponents, the last two, I think, you know, just really it's, it's, it's a hard situation when you've got guys of that length making it difficult for you to score.
2: Well, and Coach D, when I put that to him, he said his answer was kind of along the lines of, I don't want a player like John Carter to define himself by scoring. I want to see him play defense and do some other things in in basketball. So, you know, that's probably a key. Uh, You know, you mentioned guys out and, you know, Richard Njoku's working his way back. He's not full strength. He's not playing a lot of minutes early because he missed so much time preseason. Dorsey, who's, you know, very versatile player, brings a lot to the court need to get him back. And then Austin Inge is not playing. And that is, I think, who they project to be the starting point guard. I mean, obviously that was the position of need with Cam Davis graduating. Um, from what you saw of Austin Inge last season, do you think he's the answer at point guard to get the job done at that key position?
5: Yeah, I I do, Bill. I I really love Austin Inge. Um, He's going to be the only sophomore that plays meaningful minutes this year. I mean, really, if you look at the lineup, it's going to be dominated by juniors and seniors playing the line share of meaningful minutes. Austin Inge had a great freshman year. And with the COVID year, no one really noticed, you know, in the sense of, you know, not having fans in the stands and that kind of thing. He plays with really good pace. In, In other words, as a freshman, he knew Early on, and he's not perfect as a freshman and he won't be as a sophomore, but he early on understood when to go fast, when to go slow, when to take his time, get, get the team in the right play. You know, When he and Cam Davis played together, that made that team really dynamic because Cam Davis now becomes a shooting guard and doesn't have to wear himself out handling the ball. And that's another element of John Carter, Greg Summers, and these other guys right now in the first three games, not only tough opponents, but they're having to handle the ball a lot. Austin Inge will be that starting point guard for Navy. And I think will allow other players to play their natural positions. And I really like, you know, what he brings to the table. I, he's only going to get better and better. And he's a sophomore, but he plays like an upperclassman. And uh, that's the exciting thing about Austin.
1: Well, Mike, as usual, you have um, outdone yourself with your analysis. Um, you know, again, I really appreciate you doing this. And for our fans out there. You are going to hear a whole lot more from the other voice of uh, Navy basketball, um, Mike Curious. He is going to be a recurring guest during our basketball breakdown segments as the year progresses. Um, Going forward, uh, there's a little bit of a break before Navy plays Radford down in Greenville, um, South Carolina, on uh, Saturday the 20th. And then they turn right back around and play Furman. Uh, down there in a little tournament um, before then coming back home. The next time you can see the Naval Academy midshipmen and listen to the sweet, dulcet tones of Pete Methurst and Mike Heary, uh is against Washington College on November 24th, uh, Thanksgiving week. So, Mike, you know, I'll, I'll ask you this as we go out. In all, we heard from Coach DeCellis in our basketball preview. What is your outlook for the season as we go out?
5: Yeah, uh, John, we're, you know, we're preseason pick third um probably the the right spot to put us in although you know i feel like with boston university if you look at our track record we always beat boston university at their place and then they come down here and always beat us so it's going to you know i wish we could just move all the games to to bu's home court um this season they're going to be good they're experienced colgate was preseason second and i think army's right behind us preseason fourth and and they're always going to be a tough matchup i i think this team has all the pieces to play in the championship game Uh, now winning the championship. There's a lot of dynamics, right? You've got a, are you playing at home? What's the matchup? Like, you know, how healthy are you? All those things. You can't control any of that at this point in time, but if you project out this team and you think about what a championship team needs, you know, to win or to make the championship, we have all the pieces. So now injuries and all the things aside, who knows how guys are playing and what happens over the course of the year. But I think we have that type of capability. Um, I, I got to say that the the alumni hall for the Virginia Tech game with the midshipmen was one of the most electric environments we've had maybe in some time since I've been doing radio. And this is my 12th or 13th season doing this. And I, I just would encourage fans to really get out and support this team. They have got the makings of a team that can absolutely be playing in a championship game, hopefully at Navy, and for a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. It you cannot shy away from saying this either. Okay. You got to be a team in my opinion and coach Achelis is saying the right things. But if you, you know, talk to him off, off, uh, offline and said, Hey, do you think you have the pieces? He would say yes. And you can't shy away from it. This team has got to embrace that we are going to be a little more of the hunted. We've got the pieces. Let's go do it. Let's go win the first championship since 1998. Let's hang a banner. You got to embrace all of that. And I think we, We have what it takes to do it. It's just a matter of using this non-league portion of the schedule in November, December, to really get better. And you hear that all the time from all coaches around the country. But this team has to gain confidence in winning and winning consistently. And now that you got these first three ACC games out of the way, I think now you focus on, hey, let's beat this Radford team. Furman, (laughs) if if you're a basketball junkie like us, you know Furman beat Louisville. In overtime at louisville so guess what Furman is a great mid-major yep. basketball game you got to win that game and try to you know build momentum so i i i feel really good about what this team could do this year
1: no i agree and who better to uh, project uh the possibility of hanging another banner than the guy who uh <laughs> who was playing the last time navy hung a banner and went to the ncaa tournament uh, mike herey mike thanks so much for joining us um, and thank you in advance for uh, for continuing to join us throughout the year as we break down the potential um, of uh, of this team, which I think I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. I think we see them in a uh, conference championship game in March. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, that was Mike Heery. We are gonna go to break when we come back. Ava Marie is gonna give us the weather, then we'll take it out. This is Sing Second Sports. If you're looking for more in-depth coverage of Navy football, Check out Bill Wagner,
0: Keenan Reynolds, and Eric Katani on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B L E A B, Believe. They do a recap show that looks just at the week that was in Navy football and then they do a pod later in the week that looks ahead at the upcoming game you can find that podcast and it's called believe in navy football b-l-e-a-v in navy football you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts so in addition to sing second sports check out believe in navy football
1: now back to the pod All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the same second sports podcast uh, joining us for our final weather report of the football year. Although we might have Ava come back and replies, reprise the role for the Army-Navy game, uh, have her take the weather reporting on the road to see what's going to go on in, uh, outside of New York City in December. But we'd like to know what the weather is going to be like for this Saturday against ECU. Um, we're back to the normal start time of 3.30 in the afternoon. But, you know, daylight savings has hit. Um, so it gets dark earlier and it's November, so it's going to be colder. So with those details for what you're going to see on Saturday is WBAL meteorologist Ava Marie. Ava, thank you so much for joining us. Number one, congrats on Kansas, shocking Texas on a two point conversion in the end last weekend. Number two, what's the weather looking like this Saturday?
6: Honestly, at this point, you're becoming a bigger Kansas fan than me. I I feel like I have zero time in my life to even catch up on sports right now. So, um, kudos to you.
1: No, we won't we won't hold that against you. I mean, your your job is STEM and weather, our job is sports and two-point conversion. So um, so yeah, talk to us. We were talking a little bit before we uh, we went on air about how chilly it's gonna be, but it looks dry, right?
6: Yeah, honestly, I know I hate to brag, but I really feel like I've lucked out with some amazing weather for all of these home games. Um, it's really making my job easy because um, we've each time we've had these home games, the pattern has just been completely dry, without any risk of any kind of storm system, and just. It just it's all luck in a way because there's a storm system coming Thursday night to Friday, which brings rain and then cold winds, but then Saturday improves before the next storm system arrives Sunday night to Monday, which again we could be dealing with some rainy weather so just how perfect for this game to fall on Saturday when the weather is completely dry. Granted, it is going to be chilly. We're getting that cold front Thursday night to Friday, and that does bring in the colder air from Friday to Saturday to Sunday. So it's going to be in the 40s during the day on Saturday. You'll definitely want to dress in the warmer layers. And as you mentioned, the sun does go down earlier now, so before 5 o'clock. So the tail end of the game, it'll be getting colder because it will be darker.
1: So, yeah, definitely time to break out those gloves and that Naval Academy uh, skull cap or uh, snow hat. Uh, that you have, because it's going to be dark and it's going to be cold, probably a little bit windy too, right, Ava?
6: Actually, the wind is a bigger issue Friday, um, not for the game, but just, you know, anyone who's out and about, even in Annapolis, um, it's going to be gusty on Friday, so it will make it feel a lot colder. And then thankfully, the wind goes lighter on Saturday, maybe as low as six to 10 miles per hour. So just a slight breeze out there, enough, like you're saying, to bring those warm layers, but no wind, that's an issue, whether in the stands or for the players themselves.
1: Well, we are going to hold you to that. And the way that we're going to do it is by actually having you at the Naval Academy football game on Saturday. So we're happy to announce that uh, you and your husband will be joining the Six Second Sports team uh, in seeing your first Naval Academy football game at Navy Marine Corps Stadium on Saturday. So what, what are you most looking forward to?
6: Uh, I am so excited, really, for one, to just get a date, you know, with my husband. Um, We haven't gotten a babysitter in a while, so I'm thankful that you guys encouraged us to do that. Um, But, you know, I drive by the stadium often, whether, you know, wherever I'm going through Annapolis. So I'm just really excited to finally get to be in there. Um, My husband is a gigantic college sports fan, so he is over the moon, um, especially because of the sports. So we're going to have a great time. I'm just so honored that you invited me.
1: Well, we're just playing the long game because we're hoping we can parlay this into a nice eighteen holes at a glamorous golf course with Tony Pam. Uh, but you know for now we'll we'll enjoy uh, we'll enjoy Saturday. So um Ava, number one, thanks for doing the uh, the weather for us all season long. And number two, thanks for joining us on Saturday. And if you're listening out there and you see us walking around the uh, the uh, blue side before we go into the Lily pad with Ava Marie, please stop us and say hi, but uh, Ava for, for Chris and Ward and Wags, I, I really appreciate everything you did for us this season.
6: Thank you, and I'm just grateful we have got we've got great weather Saturday. Looking forward to it.
1: There we go, ladies and gentlemen. That was Ava Marie of WBAL uh, Channel 11 here in Baltimore. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we will take this out.
0: Thanks again for listening to Sing Second Sports. A special thank you to our sponsors: Academy Consulting, Dry 85, and Red Red Wine Bar, The Graduate Hotel. And she, he Lexus of Annapolis. Now back to the pod.
1: All right. Many thanks to Ava for the weather. And again, can't wait to host her out there on Saturday in Annapolis. Come by and say hi. And if it's like raining or the weather's not good, blame her. Let's get out of here. Great pod. Many thanks to uh, to Coach Newberry and Diego Fago. Um, good luck to Diego and his fellow firsties when they open the envelopes on Thursday. Um, Right before we go out, though, let us give a shout out to women's volleyball. The volleyball team defeated Army in straights, and now they are going to the Patriot League semifinals against Colgate. Kind of schizophrenic history against Colgate. Swept them three sets to nil uh, back in September at the beginning of the season. And then just a couple of weeks ago, um, 11 days ago, actually, um, they went up and lost three sets to one. Um, up in Hamilton. So um, let's see what happens. But on Saturday, uh, they go up to Hamilton again, take on that Colgate team with a chance to play in the Patriot League Finals. Many other sports and happenings going on. Over to Wags for that.
2: Yeah, John. Women's basketball with a big win on Tuesday night at Alumni Hall came storming back, outscored William and Mary 27 to 4 in the third quarter, just a massive third quarter. Um, and wins sixty six fifty four. Jennifer Coleman was just outstanding in this game, John. Um, she put it all together. Twenty six points, um, also ten rebounds. And she is a double double. I think in the opener, I mentioned that she's got a massive amount of career double doubles, and you know, I'm I'm going to look into whether she holds the Navy record. Uh, Alex Lum, who's the sports information contact for women's basketball, is going to look into that. Um, They may not have records dating back too far for women's basketball and double-doubles, but Jennifer Coleman is a walking double-double. Just a really good game for the women's basketball program. A great win after falling behind. So uh, good luck to women's basketball moving forward. They've got a bunch of games at Alumni Hall. Get out and see them. Uh, They're hosting Vermont this Saturday. It's an early morning game. You can maybe stop by there before the football game. It's 11 a.m. start. And then they're the Navy Classic the following weekend. So uh, women's basketball coach, Jim Taylor, I think he's going to get this program headed in the right direction, John.
1: Totally agree. Chris, over to you.
0: Yeah, John, I kind of wanted to finish where you started. You know, you you said that you couldn't believe it was, uh, you know, we were getting into uh, mid-November, um, you know, people thinking about the holidays, the season, the home season's just about over as we look beyond ECU at Temple and at Army. but. I just, you know, I can't help but think about where we were last year, you know, how different an experience at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium this year was as compared to last year. And just really wanted to thank all the people that are responsible for that. Right. Everybody from the marketing team in terms of what they put on the on the scoreboard, certainly the fans of both you know, in the parking lot tailgating, but their excitement in the stadium, uh, the ticket folks who are, you know, made that big jump to, uh, to digital tickets, um, just all of the people that, that, helped us get back to what I think is the most exciting and special game day experience in college football. So I didn't want this, you know, last home game uh, to go by without, um, you know, in addition to the seniors singing the praises of all the support staff that make it such a great experience.
1: Here, here, and well said. Um, yeah. And come out and celebrate the end of the football season with us at the graduate hotel at 12 noon on Saturday. Mike Heery will be there. Ava Marie from WBAL will be there um, and some special guests for our Instagram live. So please come join us at the graduate. Many thanks to the graduate hotel for being a loyal sponsor. Also our sponsors dry five and red, red wine bar, the Montana 3000 podcast Academy consulting. And as always many thanks to our good friends at N for all of their support for Chris Cervello, Ward Carroll and Bill Wagner. I am John Schofield. This has been the Sync second sports podcast. Go Navy beat ECU